Welcome, everybody. I'm Charlie Stern, and I'm with my co-host, Ardina Seward. This is 914 Wired, and uh, we're here today. Our guest this week is Erica Sandoval. Erica is a licensed clinical social worker, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, one of a topic that we come back to on this show quite a bit, which is trauma. Uh, we're going to talk about trauma. We're going to talk about the holidays because we're right on top of the holidays. Sometimes the holidays can be a little traumatic for people. Um, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about how the externalities of the news impact people's mental health as well. So, Ardina, what's happening uh, in the Yonkers division of 914 Wired? <laughs> well, more people are tuning in, which is exciting. And, you know, generally... I want to let the audience know we always do topics about politics, we always do topics about crime, we always do topics about art, but we very rarely uh, integrate mental health and mental well-being, which is kind of percolating in in the background of all of this. And now that we are, now that the holidays are upon us, that will become an issue. So we have Erica Sandoval on with us, who is a licensed clinical social worker, as Charlie has has stated. And Erica, I want to talk about the approaching holidays, and people start to feel this kind of creeping sense of dread and depression. You know, what is that, and uh, how do you get rid of it? Charlie, you wanted to say something. (laughs) Yeah, I'm feeling it. Uh, The the holidays are coming, and there's some nice things about the holidays, but then there's also, like, a lot of pressure and some aggravation and uh, time constraints, and, you know, so I'm feeling it. Okay. There you go, Eric. This is your first client. Oh, (laughs) well, you know what? I love both of you very much, so it's exciting to be here. Thank you for having me. And, yes, the holidays can definitely cause us a lot of stress, especially if we already had stress in our life um, and we just continue to live our life every day as we do without pausing, without caring for ourselves, without taking a moment to just, you know, take a self inventory, like just Mm -hmm. check in with yourself, not with your partner, not with everyone else, just within yourself and see how am I showing up in this world? And then you have the holidays on top of it where you're, almost imposed um, to just connect with people maybe you haven't really spent a lot of time with family friends it's just like Mm -hmm. you're forced to do these things that everyone tells us we're supposed to do during the holidays right yes sounds familiar exactly so (laughs) so you might feel a little bit you know triggered so we're going to talk about triggers first right you might get a little triggered because you might see someone that you haven't seen for a while that you may not have like the best relationship with because they're part of the family dynamic or the circle that you're in. You might get triggered because you may be missing someone that you lost um, to, and maybe they're no longer in your life due to a severed relationship or maybe they have, they have died. Um, and that also can leave a lot of feelings of, of emptiness and sadness. And you might feel really lonely or you might not have anyone to really celebrate because mm-hmm. you isolated yourself. So there's so many levels to your triggers and, and the trauma yeah. that people show up with. So um, I and think do people come one, into your do people come into your practice talking about these issues and once. and are they you know, when they talk about holidays and all the holidays are coming up, is it is it usually an evidence of something broader or are the holidays themselves 
capable of triggering problems. Honestly, when people are like, when therapists never get time off during the holidays, I'll tell you mm-hmm. that much because we are busy. We're busy because things are coming up for people. So we're yeah. always on call. Even if we're off, we have, you know, we have, we let our families and our patients and our clients know, like, if you let me know if you need to check in, because I know that Thanksgiving dinner might be something that's intense, or I know that connecting with this person you haven't talked to for a while can really bring up things that we have been processing or, or, or healing through, right? So yes, people come in uh, a lot more focused on how anxious they are about an event. So an event is a holiday, right? Mm-hmm. So how anxious they are about Thanksgiving or post Thanksgiving or post a holiday gatherings. Um, how anxious or how upset or how triggered they were with something that happened or something that was said. Or again, this is coming up for me. My mom did it again, or my, my dad said it again, or my sister, my brother, or you know, my, my partner didn't want to attend this holiday with me. We had we had a discourse over which family's gonna have time spent with us or our kids, you know, things may come up or mm-hmm. I wish we had children and we don't have any kids to celebrate with yeah. and we've been trying to get pregnant and everyone's going out to to the, you know to see you know holiday holiday shows with their kids and it's bringing that up for me or I may have lost a child like all these things come up because holidays are so hyper focused on family family yep. reunion love care and maybe we're just like grieving so the trauma is real Okay, so let's start with with the basics. How do you deal with uh, a person that you really don't like, that you got to sit across the table from and be nice to keep peace in the family when you really want to tell them to, um, polite word, buzz off? And you can't because you don't want to cause chaos in the family. I mean, do you have another shot of vodka or do you just kind of sit there and smile? Oh, Ardina, you're so funny. You know what? If you have another shot of vodka, you might get a little bit loose in the tongue. So you might get way too loosey-goosey. And then sometimes alcohol creates more issues. So perhaps maybe not doing a shot. Maybe checking in with your feelings and knowing that these are triggers and having an accountability partner, maybe it's your therapist, maybe it's a friend that's not there, or maybe someone that's there and saying, listen, I know this is gonna come up for me and I need a safe word in order to move away from the situation and take some moments to breathe and center myself and ground myself so I don't respond in a way that I'm not gonna feel good about it. So Erica Han, you mentioned a couple of coping mechanisms there, a safe word, and an mm-hmm. accountability partner. Tell me what an accountability partner is. Accountability partner can be someone that knows what you're going through, knows what is happening within within your life that you feel safe with, that you feel connected to, and you feel mm-hmm. like you can count on, and they can hold space for you. And okay. you can do the same for them. So that would be like accountability partner. And they also keep you accountable to center yourself so if you both agreed and contracted on saying i'm not going to lose my crap and i need to be centered so you're going to keep me accountable and not losing my crap i don't know if i could curse here so i'm being very very nice yeah we're not under fcc rules here you could but you don't have to it's up to you okay and then and then the safe word what how does the safe word function 
You know, a safe word could be, um, you know, sometimes we have this within couples as well. It's like, okay, if I say this statement, that means it's time to go okay. or it's time to move away. So it might be, hey, I think we need to feed our dog. Did you? Should we check on our dog soon? Or it could be just a normal line that you can just incorporate into any discussion and say, mm-hmm. um, you know, I just, re- you know, I, I remembered that we... We need to connect with, with, with you know, grandma or something mm-hmm. like anything mm-hmm. that can just mm-hmm. slide into a conversation. So it has to be something both- that the other person knows when they hear those words, which normally would not come up in the in the stream of conversation. Knock it off, move on, whatever. Let's move on. Yeah, let's move okay. on. Let's let's get out of here. Or yeah. save me, pull me away from this. You know, even like a glance. You know, just like sometimes you gotta you gotta connect with your partner. Let's say you're going to a gathering like Gardena saying saying and you you know that your partner is not in good terms with this person right. sitting in front of them. So you're going to hold space for them to make sure that you're both in a place where you're you're able to pull the other one away from that uncomfortable situation. Also, I would limit the drinking uh, to mm-hmm. be quite frank. Sometimes we do overdrink in holidays and we tend to just just create a little bit more chaos because we're a little bit looser. Yep. Um, so and what back, effect what effect does alcohol have like from um, uh, I, I don't know the terminology, but it's my impression that if you're depressed, you might become more depressed as a result yeah, of drinking alcohol. Yeah. What is that called? It's it's a depressant, not an antidepressant. It's a depressant instead of a stimulant. So you might feel a little bit more sadder um, and sadness mm-hmm. can turn into anger. Um, and anger can turn into aggressive behaviors or sadness can turn into crying um, or just talking about things that just have been embedded within for a while and now all of a sudden it, you feel more comfortable sharing it. But nothing good comes out of conversations with too much alcohol. So as long as we're playing Ask the Therapist, may I ask one more of these questions? What's the of difference between sad? What is the difference between sadness and depression? depression. Well, you know, that's a really good question. Depression is, uh, it could be a little more, more constant. Um, it's a diagnosis, and I hate mm-hmm. the diagnosis thing. I really do. I'm not going to lie to you. Sometimes we're over-diagnosing people. But sadness is a normal feeling that we all can tend to have at any given time. Mm-hmm. But having sadness for a prolonged time in your life that's impacting your daily life, like it's not allowing you to get out of bed or it's uh, isolating you from your friends and family or you lost interest in doing the things that you love to do for longer than three, four, five, six weeks, depending on how long it is. Mm-hmm. It could be mild moderate or severe depression so okay so depression the markers markers of depression are sustained preventing you from doing other things sadness comes and goes yeah sadness it's where normal you know we have so many emotions right and we have Mm -hmm. to validate all these emotions we're allowed to be sad we're allowed to be angry we're allowed to feel all the feelings now how do we respond to these feelings and how do we respond to the world is very different so finding self-peace and and checking in with yourself and knowing those triggers and this is what i just talked about with some of my clients here today 
like let's check in with yourself was that something when you responded this way was it because of something that triggered you because that response may have created more of a divide in that relationship or it may or may or may have created more of a, a sabotaged situation so we don't want to continue sabotaging our own selves in our life so let's check in with ourselves before we react should should we pay closer attention to uh, vulnerable friends such as uh, veterans or teenagers or people who've suffered recent trauma during the holidays are there I red flags that we should be aware of I think we should pay attention to all of our communities and especially if they have been experiencing severe trauma or they're lonelier or they are tend to drink more or they tend to use more substances definitely because these holiday seasons can really bring up a lot of feelings and you're more likely to have suicidal thoughts you're more likely to have so much anxiety and anger that comes up because maybe that relationship that you that that is no longer in your life you're thinking about more and you know there's a lot of loss and grief so it's important to check in and just you know a nice like check in a a, a, a call or an invite out or just like seeing and so I, you know and i have to not not deny that a lot of times when we're inviting people that are not well or not doing well they're more likely to say no i'm okay but what? still check in with them still checking with them you yeah. know we, we, we i'm sorry charlie go ahead no go ahead Ardia. okay you know i think a lot of times people look at the hallmark image of the happy you know two-parent you know suburban family on the christmas card during the holidays and a lot of times people think well why can't i be like them how realistic is that happy you know santa claus macy's image it is so not realistic. I'll tell you a personal story, only because I want to normalize this for all the single mothers out there that might be listening, all the single parents out there. When I was raising my daughter and she was five or six and I didn't have that perfect family, that I didn't have that the partner in the home, my parents weren't around and it was just her and I, I would get really sad because I felt like I wasn't giving her the happiest moment. Like I didn't have that full home with the cookies and the milk and the leaving it for Santa and all the gifts around the tree and everything that we see in all of the holiday movies. And I remember one holiday, she woke up and I, I bought her this beautiful like kitchen set. And she opened it up and, and we were playing and, and I began to cry. And she was like, why are you so sad? And I was like, oh, I'm just sad. I just want you to be happy. She's like, mommy, I'm so happy. I got the best gift and I'm with you. And I forgot about it. Right, I oh. forgot about it, but I remembered how sad I was. Fast forward, she's 23 years old, and the other day I asked her, what was your happiest moment with me? She's like, remember that Christmas when we played in the kitchen, you know, kitchen together? And I said, really? And I thought I had like done the worst job as a mother. Hmm. But because I was just present with her, and I was enjoying this moment, and I gave her that time, me, that was her happy moment. But Right. In reality, as single moms, as single parents, we may feel we're not giving enough. And we may feel like we're we're not giving our kids what they deserve, but all we need to do is pay attention, be present, and just enjoy that moment with each other. You don't have to be filled with the room of 20 people. 
because sometimes even in a room of 20 people, one can feel so lonely. So that was a big lesson for me. And I just want to normalize that. That's great. And I'm going to recap, getting through the holidays, um, check in with yourself, safe word, um, minimize the booze. Minimize the booze. And uh, and I think the last thing was kind of go easy on yourself because if you're present, that's really all anybody wants. Yes, and have an accountability partner. Have an accountability partner. Thank you for that one. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, now I, now I understand what that is. I want to open this up a little bit because one thing that we talk all about we've, lately, we've had some guests on talking about uh, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And yeah. I want to kind of pivot to the other mental health issue is is people are feeling an enormous amount of stress just watching it on television let alone having a family member who's wrapped up in it in some god-awful way or maybe they just live over there and you know they're wondering what life is going to be like day to day to day what's the difference between the trauma that you experience from watching something on television and the deep you know, profoundly terrible things that we see day after day after day. And like, what's the the mental health impact of that? Is it triggering? Is it actually causing something to happen? Is it rustling up depression that's already inside of us? Like, what's going on there? I mean, one quick thing I want to share with you. We interviewed two people on this show. One from a Palestinian background. Another was a rabbi. They were talking about... It was the most stressful two episodes of this show I personally ever did, just talking to these people, because they're coming in at from completely different viewpoints, different angles, it totally irreconcilable positions on these issues, and it's a stressful, stressful thing. And by the way, I think it dovetails to the first half of the show, because that's what people are going to be talking about over Thanksgiving yeah. dinner. So how do you make sense of this? Well, it's really sad what's happening in the world, and I just want to say that. And I think that vicarious trauma is extremely, extremely real. Vicarious trauma is when you're experiencing the trauma as a collective, as a community. You're hearing it. You're seeing it. The news can really traumatize us as well. So there's a name for this? It's called vicarious trauma? It's called vicarious trauma. Like You're experiencing it with the person... The, the environment, the community, it's constant and it you can't pull away from it because it's in front of us and and it's it's real. Um, you may not have to be in that place to experience it, but if someone's loss can be your loss. The community that is hurting, you're hurting with the community. And it's and we're gonna have these conversations and we're not all going to agree on the perception of things. And this is also something that happens during the holidays. You're gonna have these conversations with people and they're gonna trigger your beliefs and your values mm-hmm. and your systems. And and not only are you gonna be traumatized over what has been happening and how you're perceiving all of it and how you're experiencing it, but now you might feel really angry with someone that doesn't have the same belief system or the same, or there's some, the same point of view. And that can be conditional. Uh, in additional mm-hmm. trauma, right? So you can, yes, but but a mentally healthy person yes. wouldn't walk away from a relationship because somebody had a dis a, a, a different p- 
political view, right? Would you? Or would you? So a mentally happy person, a not mentally happy person, walk over. I don't think that's real. I think that as as a as a person that works with people and relationships, is that we don't really know what's what's happening within our um, relation and systems. You can't say you're unhealthy because you're sticking with someone that has a different political view. You can't say that because love is love. And sometimes there might be certain things that someone gives to you and feeds you, your body, your soul. And then this one thing happens and you just realize like, wow, I have completely different views. And now I have to talk about this and process this with you. And we have to do the three C's. We have to commit, communicate, and compromise on how we're going to move through this stage in our relationship. So it can be very intense. It really can. So... These are really good questions. But you know, uh, Erica, there, there, there are people uh, sitting in their, at their homes, people sitting at their workstations right now as we speak, uh, many of whom are, who are Jewish and are feeling very vulnerable, and many who are Palestinian and who are feeling very, very vulnerable right now, even though they're thousands of miles away from the conflict. But the threat is there. And how do you... How do they reassure themselves that they are safe here when they see all this stuff, anti-Semitic statements, mm-hmm. anti-Palestinian statements written over the walls? It's facing them every day. Mm-hmm. So how, how do you, how do they center themselves in the middle of this this storm, political you, storm? You you connect and be in community. You connect with people that are like-minded with you and sit in community, center in peace because the violence is not getting us anywhere as we can see it's not center in the peace finding time for yourself finding time to center with with just grounding yourself because you're not going to be able to change what is happening externally on the outside you're not going to be able to change but what you can do is you can really work on how you're going to respond to the world how you're going to respond to that person how you're going to respond to your environment and if we're centered more and if we're more um, connected with ourselves and doing our own work and really just processing and connecting with our mental health and, and moving towards like just feeling a little bit less burdened because we have someone to talk to, that's gonna help. That's gonna help you. You know, Sandoval Collab, like my um, the organization that I founded, we, we put healing circles together and we don't talk about anything that is not going to create a peaceful circle. Mm. Like what we do is we connect in healing circles. We bring cacao ceremony, which is like chocolate, a, a medicinal <laughs> chocolate. Seriously, chocolate, plant medicine. You sit in circle, you have a ceremony, you have sound healing, you connect, you center in peace. There's no conversations about everything that's happening in the world you leave that out there and you center yourself so when you show up in the world you're going to be able to be a little bit more stronger to deal with all of the stuff that is happening because it's really so upsetting everything is just so triggering and traumatizing so when you're more centered you're going to feel a little bit more grounded erica you mentioned something a minute ago called the three c's can you say again what those are Communication, commitment, and compromise. The three C's. 
communicate. And, that, and that's a mechanism for for what? How, how does that help you? Healthy relationships. Healthy relationships. So if you commit to communicate and compromise, you're going to be in a healthier relationship. So because you, you, what you said is like healthy people leave people that don't have the same views of you. That's not true. Healthy people compromise, commit. And and communicate oh, really well. Okay, yeah, maybe I maybe I misspoke. I I would think that a, a healthy individual would not leave the presence of somebody who they politically disagreed with, um, but would kind of cope with it in some way, shape, or form. That's what I that's what I intended to say. But you're saying three C's is a is a coping mechanism or or a way of interacting with people um, so that you can overcome these kinds of differences yeah like these are these are ways that you can really connect with the person right if you commit if you commit to knowing when it's the right time to stop the conversation Mm -hmm. and say this is okay this is not getting anywhere i'm going to pull back let's pull back we're going to commit to knowing when the line is drawn Mm. and we're going to communicate with respect without any aggression and we're going to compromise. Gosh, isn't the world sound a little bit safer? Just even within like relationships, friendships, anything. Yeah, yeah. You know, it feels a little to... more manageable. Just talking about it makes things feel a little <laughs> bit more manageable to me right off the bat. Uh, Erica Sandoval, this has really been an excellent uh, 25 minutes or so uh, kind of talking through what I guess is under the big umbrella of mental health. But it's really a subset of it, which is like... How to get through the holidays? How to like you know keep your head straight in the in the context of uh, all this crazy stuff that's going on uh, in the world right now? But you know what I mean? I what I say to people is yeah, it's terrible, it's tragic, um, it's violent and very very hard to process. But there's always wars going on in the world. There's always something. I mean, the world is always on fire. As far as I back as I can remember, there's always something going on. So you have to have some mechanism by which to communicate and interact with people that's, you know, like eye level and healthy. So uh, I appreciate you coming on here to talk about this a little bit. I think it maybe make a little difference. It helped me. Thank you. And I invite everyone to, if you do have a calling to just sit and be grounded and feel some peace for three hours, our soul immersion is on December 4th. We do have a code that you can use to get a $40 discount off, which is Black Friday 40. And I, I invite all of you to come and just sit and center yourself and, and find some peace during the holidays. And what's the, what's the web address where they would type in that code, Erica? SandovalCollab.com and go to Events, Soul Immersion, Cacao, and Sound Healing Circle. Okay, great. Yeah. I'm going to put that into the show notes as well. So if anybody wants Thank- to... They can do that, and I'll put the put the uh, promo code in there as well. Erica Sandoval, licensed clinical social worker, thank you for coming on here. Ardina, another episode of 914 Wired has uh, has transpired. Yes, indeed. Look forward to next week. Thank you, Erica. Thank you for having me. Have a beautiful, beautiful weekend. Have a great holiday, everybody. Thank you. Okay.